it's just good to be back in community, be good to see each other. Um, you know, I think I've said this in various spots, but one of the things that um, I tend to look at myself as being introverted, which I don't know if that's actually true or not, but one of the things that I have just missed greatly is just community and getting to see other people, getting to be with other people. And so, welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're online, thank you so much for watching as well and being a part of that. Um, and so we're, gonna, we're continuing in the series today, and we're calling Who Do You Say I Am? And we're going to be in Mark uh, chapter 1, if you want to go ahead and open to that. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verse uh, 29 is where we're going to start. And what we, last week we looked at a piece of Mark 1 where Jesus is in the synagogue and he uh, goes and he teaches and he teaches as one, the, the, the people there say they, that he teaches as one with authority. And in the midst of that, a, a man with an evil spirit stands up and he has this confrontation with this evil spirit and Jesus silences that evil spirit, casts him out, and the people are just like, what is this guy? Who can do these sorts of things. And in the book of Mark, Mark tends to jump us quickly to the next story. Um, almost like my, my sixth, sixth grader who tells stories. Um, she uh, got very excited about a new TV show that just came out um, called WandaVision because I have gotten her into the Marvel Universe. And as a dad, that is like a badge of honor. Comic books are in my house, even though there are no boys present except for me. So I'm happy about this. But Emily didn't watch it with us. And when Emily came home, Emily <laughs> Chloe was just like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and mom, you can't believe it. It's like this, and like that, and oh, and then this guy, and this girl, oh. <laughs> and sometimes Mark writes with that frenetic pace, because he jumps from one scene to, excuse me, to another where he says, and then immediately. And then very quickly, and all of these things. And so Jesus has cast out this demon. And then if we look at verse 29, it says this. It says, as soon as they left the synagogue. So Mark is just like fast forwarding this, this, this narrative. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up, the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. So we go from one miracle to another. And one thing we need to do is pay attention to the character and the nature of Jesus as we go throughout this series. As we walk through the book of Mark, as we head towards Easter, pay attention to these little details about Jesus because we get to see who he is not only like we saw last week where he's an authority, but we get these soft moments, these moments where he, he steps into the home of Simon's mother-in-law, Simon, who will eventually be Peter. And I don't know about you, every time I read this passage, I forget that one of the disciples might have actually been married, right? Simon has a mother-in-law who, that's amazing, apparently a decent re relationship with her since he asked Jesus to come help her. Um, some people don't have that kind of a relationship with their mother-in-law. Not me. I, I would have, no, not me. But, so we, re, we, re, we re figure this out. We see this in this moment, but we see that he comes and he sits, and she's got this fever, and he sits down, 
and it goes away. Continuing on, and then we'll unpack these. Verse 32 says, That evening, after sunset, people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So Jesus does this healing in the synagogue. He moves on, and then he, he uh, goes to Simon's mother-in-law's house. The disciples rushed him and say, Jesus, like I, maybe it was just Simon, I need your help. I need you right now to come to my mother-in-law's house. Now, as I was preparing for this message, I found this interesting thing that um, there was some, I think we would, attribute, we would call them probably wives' tales about how to get rid of sicknesses in the Jewish culture, just like there is today, right? I mean, we all have different remedies that we say, you know, if you just do this, that headache will go away, or if you just do that, your cold will go away. Well, there was this, there was this way of fixing a fever, and it seems odd, but it went through all of these steps. You had to find an, a knife made of pure iron. Then you had to braid hair and tie it to a thorn bush, the knife. And then for three successive days, you had to come out and recite a verse from Exodus. And this would relieve your fever. Feels very um, medicine man, right? Like very, very, what are we doing here? But there's lots of steps involved. And we get to see in this moment, Jesus sits down, takes her hand, and because he has that authority that we talked about last week, that we sang about today, that fever leaves her. And what does she do? She stands up and she begins to serve them. And then that evening, because as much as Jesus tells demons not to talk about him, even people he heals, he says, don't go tell people about this. Like, we know how good gossip travels, right? Like, if you saw somebody get healed, get brought back to life, somebody get a demon cast out, I promise you, even if you don't Facebook, you would sign up for a Facebook account just to share that news, right? You might even have a video. And so word is spreading of Jesus. Word is spreading in the area. And so people are bringing their sick and their hurting and their leprous and all of the things that only Jesus can do, and they bring them to his door. Now, there's an interesting piece here because it says they wait till after dark. Now, this isn't like them trying to be sneaky because if we remember the timeline, it was the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, you can't do work. Work is defined in this instance when it's talking about these people as carrying someone's burdens. So if you had to carry someone on a mat to Jesus' door, you're working. So, and this is just kind of a Bible nerd thing, you had to wait till the sun set. You could see three stars in the sky. Hope it's not cloudy. And then you could go about working because the, the Sabbath day was over. So all these people wait. They're not waiting to sneak in. They're not waiting to ruin Jesus' dinner. They're not waiting for whatever reason we may think. They're waiting to follow the Jewish law to bring people to him so that they may be healed, so that they can have demons cast out, so that they can do all of these things. And through that, we see that Jesus does miracles in the synagogue and the church of their day. 
We see that he does it in the private homes of, his, of the mother-in-law of one of his followers. And then he's doing it in the street, because I don't imagine he invited all of those people into the house, right? He just goes out and he starts healing. And as we saw last week, you know, plenty of people can teach with a what we would call authority, but Jesus is doing something different here. Jesus is something different. He is the Son of God. He has come on a mission to bring us back to God, and so he's doing this differently. Plenty of people can lecture, plenty of people can preach, but they can't do what Jesus did, which is speak with authority and then have authority over everything. And we see this play out again and again. Now, let's continue on. Uh, Mark, still verse one, or chapter 1, verse 35. Um, the, Mark says this, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Again, these little moments. We find that Jesus is praying to God. He gets up early in the morning, and he goes and spends time with the Father. We can suspect and uh, that's the, why did I just use that word? We can um, guess as to why that is. We can speculate. That's what I wanted to say. We can speculate why this is. One, we look at Jesus, and we know that Jesus is both God and man, right? He has this ability and this authority. But if he's, if he's man, we all know that our, our, our bodies wear down. We get tired. So perhaps Jesus is going back to the Father to recharge for what he's about to do. And he wants to be alone. I mean, how many of us, um, when we are overloaded with people being around us, want to just, I just need five minutes to myself, right? So Jesus is finding the solitary place, spending time with his father so that he can recharge and be strengthened for his mission and for his ministry. And we see these moments here and there throughout the Gospels which must have meant that Jesus did this regularly. That the disciples knew that he would go out and spend time with the Father is an important piece for us to understand because, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, then it's important for us to do as well. That the crowds wouldn't leave him alone. When you have something that everyone wants, I don't know this from experience, but I assume when you have something that people want, they keep hassling you. They keep following you. They keep chasing you so they can get what they want. Because make no mistake about it, the people who are coming to Jesus at this point in his ministry are there for the stuff, for the things, for the things that Jesus can do for them. There's nobody signing up to, to uh, pick up their cross. There's nobody signing up to die to themselves. These are people who are going, there's this guy who has authority over this other world over nature, over disease, over sickness, I need something from him. Because if I'm honest, I would too. I mean, if I had a sick loved one 
and all I needed to do was get them to Jesus and Jesus could heal them, that's what I'm going to do too. But this isn't a following it. This is a, he can do these miracles. We need to be, we need to get to him. We need to be a part of this. And Mark finishes this, this section that we finished reading there where Jesus says, that, that uh, let's, so I can preach there also, let's go elsewhere. This is why I've come. And then Mark sums up what probably was a couple weeks or maybe even a month journey of Jesus preaching in different synagogues with one verse. That's, what it, that's how Mark sums it up. He says, um, he says so, they, so he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And so in our story, in our narrative, in the text today, we're left with the question is, who do you say, who do I say, who do you say I am? Jesus asks this question of us regularly. We're going to continue to ask it throughout this series. Because it is important who you, who I say Jesus is. And we get to see here, that Jesus is a healer and he's a servant. I wish that I, and not just wish, I pray that I can have a heart like Jesus because I know how I would have responded in those moments. I know when all of those people showed up at my door at seven (laughs) o'clock, they're like, nah, I, I got something else to do. I'm already tired. I've been with you people all the time. But Jesus doesn't do that because he's a servant, because he puts himself second and he puts other, people's, other people first. He's got this ability to heal, which obviously I don't, but that, that's, that's what we see who Jesus is. He's a servant and he's a healer. And like I said, we have to continue to ask this question. Because as we walk through this gospel, as you would, would read any gospel, other gospel, you're going to f- see these little pieces of who Jesus is. And we need to internalize them so we know who he is in his nature and his character. Because we, as his followers, we as his disciples, should also look like him. So we have to pay attention. We have to... Remember when we read over passages where it says that he welcomed all these people when I would have gone, no, go away. Just, just come back when there's four stars in the sky, not, not three. Like, don't want you here. But that's not what Jesus does because he's better than me in every way. And so in this passage, though, we get this, we get this moment um, where we see him praying off to the side. And I want to just take some time today to just think a little bit about prayer. Because what we actually get to see, we actually get to see prayer in real time. And just take a walk with me here. When I have issues and when I have struggles in my own life, I pray. I go to God and I say, God, I need help. I need your wisdom. I need your spirit. I need your strength. I need whatever it is. I need you, I need you, I need you. And in some ways, if I'm completely honest, I'm no better than the people who showed up when the third star popped out in the sky. And some of us may be there as well. But in this passage, we kind of get to see real-time prayer because the disciples got to live and walk with Jesus. 
And so Peter, Simon, Peter knows that his mother-in-law is sick. Well, Jesus is with him. If my mother-in-law was sick, I would go, God, I really just need you to heal her. I need you to send us somebody who knows how to fix this, whatever, because I'm not physically with Jesus. Peter, however, is. So what does he do? He directly goes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I need your help. Now, we don't get that blessing, right? We do, but we don't. We don't get to see Jesus face to face and say, Jesus, I need your help. But we do. We get to pray to him. And what I think this sort of shows us is that this has become a habit already for the disciples, bringing their concerns to Jesus immediately, which will be then a habit for them afterwards. And we should have a habit of bringing our concerns to Jesus. We should have, make a habit of bringing our concerns to God. I can't tell you how many times during all of 2020, and unfortunately in 2021, because we thought it was over, but it's not, right? It's <laughs> same thing, different year. That I try to fix it. If I was Peter, I would have run to the CVS and figured out, how do I bring down a fever? Peter runs to Jesus and says, you're the one who can fix this. I need your help. So we need to make a habit of this. You know, after all, Jesus says in Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 9, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. hard part is we have to wrestle with sometimes we don't get the answers we want um carrie talked about that in the video that played at the beginning if you didn't get a chance to see it or if i know we were having some glitches like we'll, we'll put that on facebook again it is um carrie i love your story and i love how you shared that so thank you for sharing that with us and thank you to kathy who did that last week um and thank you to amanda for for sharing her stories as we're doing these pressing on series, but sometimes we don't get the answer we want. But that doesn't stop us from continuing to go back. And you know, the disciples do this eventually out of love, knowing that Jesus can handle their problems, but they go to him in respect and honor and knowing that he is who he says he is. The hard part is, is that Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm no better than when my girls were two and three and they were just like, juice. <laughs> just give me juice. <laughs> if you have kids, you can insert whatever word that was for you, right? Like, like my girls are so, and this, I'm bragging about them because they're mine and I'm not, I mean, that's just, it is what it is. But they're so respectful now. I'm not sure how we got them from juice to, may I please have? But sometimes that's how I interact with Jesus. It's just like, give me what I want now. But the piece of prayer that I, I sometimes forget, and maybe we do, is that it's a relationship with God. Like if you looked at someone, uh, let me stop because I do this all the time. If I looked at someone and interacted with them the way I sometimes interact with God, they probably wouldn't be my friend anymore. 
which is tough. And to have a relationship, we have to talk daily. We have to talk constantly. It's like some of us in this room right now feel awesome that we're back together, but some of us feel a little off because we haven't seen each other in a while, because we haven't been able to be in conversation with each other. We don't know what's happening in each other's lives. And God wants that from us every day. When we need something and when we don't, right? Prayer is not just to ask for things. Prayer is to be in communication, be in relationship with God. It's a reminder that if it was important for Jesus to pray, then it should be important for us, right? If Jesus makes it a habit to go to the Father and he is, and we're not going to unpack the Trinity this morning, but if he is a part of the three-in-one Godhead and he is praying to God, there must be something important for me who's not part of the Trinity. I should be praying to God as well. I should be in conversation with him. I should be in communication with him when things are terrible and when things are great. Because that's what Jesus did. We see that throughout the Gospels. He was modeling it for the disciples, but I, can't, I do not believe that that's the only reason why he was doing it. Because there's something supernatural about prayer. Because we have a God who is bigger than the boogeyman, as VeggieTales says, who can do anything and everything. So we need to come to him. You know, Jesus probably also knew that it would be helpful to have the God of the universe on his side, which obviously he did, to accomplish the mission that he was on, right? The mission was to bring people back to God and so it makes a lot of sense that he would pray to God. William Barclay in his commentary on Mark says this. He says, prayer will never do our work for us. What it will do is strengthen us for the work which must be done. Prayer will never do our work for us. What it will do is strengthen us for the work which must be done. I find myself in moments like these when I when I need to preach and I'm preaching more to myself than I feel like I'm preaching to you because I'm not great at this. In fact, this week, because God's funny like this, has a good sense of humor and all that, uh, I was meeting with a guy who, I, who we're in a discipleship relationship and we meet every week and we just talk through life and God and confess sins we do all of this stuff together and at one point I said to him I said listen if you need someone who has prayer all figured out I'm not your guy because I don't have it all figured out and so then as uh, this gentleman tends to be he looked at me and goes well seems like we need to hold each other accountable to that don't we <laughs> I went yes <laughs> And so maybe, if nothing else today, take me saying these things, holding you accountable if this is where you struggle. If you're wired like me, I want to fix it all and I want to do it all myself. And a lot of times I have to remember that I need to include God in my plans since, you know, he's better than me. 
He has more authority than me. He's stronger than me. He can do all of these things. I'm not sure where your prayer light's at, but I will say this. In my moments when I have, have been better about praying, I feel so connected. I feel so connected to God. I see things in ways that God allows me to see them. I have Jesus' eyes at times. And I would just encourage you, if that's not what it is, not where you're at, I would just start today. Just commit to deepening that relationship with your father. Because all you have to do is just talk. All you have to do is just say, God, here's where I'm at today. And listen, he's big enough to hear it. He's big enough to take it. Whatever you say, he wants to hear it. So right now, let's go to him and let's pray um, as we close our time together. Father, we thank you that we are together again. God, we thank you for what it is that you have done in our lives throughout um, the craziness of this year and even the beginning of, or of this past year and the beginning of this new year. God, we know that you are going to do some amazing things in the future. And so, God, let me start by just saying thank you. Thank you for what it is that you're going to do through our trials and through the hardships that we encounter. God, we don't even know what those are yet. But we want to just thank you in advance because we believe and we trust that that's what you're going to do. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for who he is, his character, his nature, for the things that he did in this world and the model of a life lived that we should follow. God, we thank you for that. God, would you challenge us today? Would you leave this on our hearts and in our minds that our our prayer lives, the, the interactions with you need to be stronger, that we need to be continually growing in this. That you want a relationship with us. Father, give us the wisdom. Give us the direction. Give us the people in our lives who can call us out if that's what we need, but God, we just ask that you will help us in this. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. And we just pray all of these things in his powerful name. Amen.